You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm Bill Bymel. On today's episode, we are going to listen to an interview with my longtime partner and friend, Nate Werner. And stay tuned for the end of the interview. We're going to cut back and share another real tidbit and we'll, where we talk about triple net real estate investments. Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bymel. I am proud to introduce you to a longtime friend, I really a family member, you could say, and colleague of mine, partner, Nathan Werner. Nate, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure, Bill, always. <laughs> you know, I want to start by giving my own introduction of you. I have known you in since I was a pre-teenager, so that goes back quite a long ways. But yes, it's a long time. <laughs> we don't want to age ourselves too much here. But I, you know, I got into business with you. You've been in the real estate business. You've been in commercial real estate specifically for over 40 years. And you've been a mentor of mine. There is not a person that I have come into contact with in South Florida or anywhere in the world that has done business with you that doesn't call you one of the most informed, experienced real estate savvy, especially when it comes to the area of site selection for retail and restaurant tenant clients. And that's really what you've done. I mean, you've, you, when I came to work with you, I think it was in the early 2000s, I was doing residential real estate at the time with my dad, as you know. And I remember you asking his permission because you and I had it kind of planning. We were, we were conspiring to make the move into commercial for me. And, and, and not only did you take me under your wing and teach me everything that I know about commercial, but you've really acted with such integrity. And it's the reason why you have some longstanding clients in the business. So, so with that said, Nate, why don't you tell my, our audience, what, what is a retail tenant rep broker do? Your company's name is Retail Sites International. You've been in business over 40 years. I'm a, I'm a partner, a junior partner, you could say in that firm. What is it that the retail tenant rep broker's primary job is? Let's get into that. Tell me about it. So there are really two aspects when we start with whether it's a new client or someone that might be established. And and the first thing that we do is try and establish what trade areas, what markets work for different clients, whether it's a retail tenant or a restaurant tenant, they all have a certain customer profile that they try to reach. And so the most important thing that we do in determining what market that they should consider for new brick and mortar locations is who is that customer and where does that customer live or where does that customer work? So that's the first thing that we, we try and do. We, we try and understand our clients, customers and where they are. 
And, and once we've established that, then we take a deeper dive into the demographic of a market area. So if it's a restaurant that's a destination dinner house restaurant, where you know people are going to be driving from a long way away, but it's a, it's a very pricey restaurant, then you know there's a certain clientele that are going to drive to go to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and you can look at a wider trade area, but it has to be specifically for people that have that kind of disposable income. Right. If it's more of a casual restaurant or we've done supermarket deals, we've done Whole Foods deals down here, public shopping centers, et cetera, those demographics are much more local. So there you're looking at one, two, three mile trade areas. Mm. The same thing with casual dinner houses, whether it's a Longhorn or an Olive Garden, people are not necessarily going to drive long distances to either shop at a, at a market or a specialty retailer or, you know, go ahead and dine either at a casual restaurant or a fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's more local it's uh, you're looking for denser markets you have to have more people in this this smaller radius from the site Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know the other thing that we always look at is from the standpoint of when we're trying to find a location for either retail or restaurant you know what type of street traffic do they need is this something where you know they need to have i95 or highway frontage or can it be a commercial highway or thoroughfare in south florida because you you're between the ocean and the everglades your highways are generally more north south oriented and traffic going to and from work is usually more east west oriented mm. so for instance, we do work for Dunkin' Donuts. You know, they want to be on the going to work side. Mm-hmm. We do work for Taco Bell. They want to be on the going home side. So someone on their way home from work can go ahead and stop and pick up some delicious tacos and bring them home. <laughs> uh, you're only saying that because they're your client, I'm sure, right? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> they are actually delicious. I have to tell you, every time I have a Taco Bell, I just sit there and say, how do they get this much flavor into so little? I mean, it's like such a processed item, but who cares? I love it. Who cares? Right. <laughs> Help me damn as long as you get your walking miles. You know what? Because uh, <laughs> you only live once. That's right. That's right. Well, you, you touched on some really good points there, and, and it's interesting to hear as you really drill deeper into specific clientele, how you how the nuances of each client play a role. And that and knowing that, and, and I would assume also, in addition to traffic counts, which you're referencing, location, 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 but even in the retail world, I think the accessibility is a is a big role. You don't want to you want to be able to get access to the property, especially if it's a drive-through restaurant concepts, you you know you want them to have people to have an easy ingress egress ability so all of that plays a role and it's interesting to hear you say you know how local show how local it is because real estate is local in general whether it's residential or commercial you know your gen you know it is local in general but when it comes to 
your specific clients, it even gets more so. And there are certain markets, you know, you're really looking, it sounds like, at one, three, five mile radiuses for most of your clients that are less regionally oriented. Now, I know in the past you've done client large clients like Home Depot, you know, where you're yeah. drawing from much larger audiences. But but some of the clients that you mentioned, and maybe you could even, you, I heard you mention Longhorn, that's the Darden restaurant group that you, Olive Garden, Red Lobster, Seasons 52, Obama Breeze, you've represented them. I mean, that's really what, you know, has probably gained you the most respect in our industry is that you are one of the longest standing exclusive brokers for that restaurant chain. And it's the largest casual dining restaurant chain in America. Mm -hmm. Presented garden restaurants and all their different entities since 1978. Now operate nine different dining concepts from fine dining like Capitol Grill and Eddie V's Prime C. We just are starting construction on the first Capitol Burger, which is a division of mm. Capitol Grill. It's going to be built in Coral Gables on Miracle Mile, and it's a little bit more casual than a, a Capitol Grill, a little bit more focused menu on hamburgers, less steak-oriented, you know, very heavy on the bar. So, you know, we're very happy. We're just got permits and uh, should start construction on the first one in South Florida probably this summer. So I'm sure uh, everybody would love to know do you get to go to the premiere party like when they try the concept? Are you one of the first to try it or what? When Darden first developed the concept, which now is one of the largest dinner houses in the world, Olive Garden, they had us brokers come up to Orlando where the very first Olive Garden was built on International Drive. They had their test kitchens in Darden headquarters at the time. It was General Mills Restaurant Group because they were owned by General Mills right. before they spun off. And they actually had us come in, try it, um, you know, just to familiarize ourselves again with the concept because, you know, we're not chefs, we're not cooks, we don't prepare the meals. But we have to know who their clientele is going to be. They're going to give us some idea, but it's important for us to understand what it is that they're trying to do. So no matter what concept it is, from the fine dining concepts to the casual dinner house, you know, we have to be very familiar with the product that they have and what clientele or, or what market they're trying to reach. So yeah. And as a matter of fact, Bill, on Monday night, Paul and, and my son and your partner yep. and myself went to the grand opening of one of our restaurants that we just opened the third for, Kalu's Restaurants, just opened in Plantation, Florida, brand new. It is an absolutely gorgeous building. Mm. Uh, it's been under construction for almost a year. So they had the VIP opening Monday night. And then they opened for general business the last night. Yeah, no, I, I actually did see your post on Instagram. I was actually, I don't know that you did this, Nate, or if this was one of our staff, but there was something in your Instagram story. And I'm like, how does Nate know how to post an Instagram story? <laughs> has no idea, but Beverly, our director of communications, does. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. 
He took all the pictures, the pictures of the food and the building and all that stuff and posted on Instagram and Facebook and and all that stuff. You know, that that's her thing. And that's why she's director of communications. Oh, well, that was awesome. And and it's interesting because Calouse is, is maybe not as well a household name, at least not outside of South Florida. And generally, right. you've represented national brand names. Before I get into that conversation, I just wanted to point out, you mentioned, you know, the development of Capital Grill and, 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 and you are, there is that aspect. While you're not actually constructing these properties, you have to know zoning, planning, traffic issues, you know, all that goes into the development of these properties. That's, I'm sure, a huge aspect of the service you deliver clients. When we research and, you know, something that I've always been very fastidious about and have always insisted, uh, you know, when people work with me that you earn your money from the car and Mm -hmm. you you need to not only familiarize yourself with every area that, that you're working, but things change constantly and you need to be out on the road and taking a look at what's new, what's developed, what might have been torn down, what, you know, what might work. So you need to get in that car and drive all the different markets that you're in. Yep. And, you know. That is the perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> can always count on you. And it's really about how the industry has changed and what your experience. I mean, you know, I love you, when you say you got to get in the car that, you know, there are guys and you, you, I want you to hear you always referred to your dad as, as the, as dirt, dirt kickers, right? You know, like dirt dog, he was a dirt dog. Right, right. The old real estate brokers of the generation before ours were, you know, they didn't know demographics and, and site, you know, and planning and zoning and, you know, and, and, you know, what are the traffic counts here and what's the median income here and, you know, and, and how much the daytime population that none of that had any interest. So you in many ways were, like revolutionary and now you're like the old mentor you know you're on the you're you know you, you've now been in the business for over 40 years versus where you were when you were the young guy you know tell me how the industry has changed take us through that from the days that you first got into this business where you really had to know real estate by getting in the car versus today so When I started, and I started in 1977, there were no cell phones, there were no, uh, at least no personal computers, you know, big businesses had, but there were no personal computers. And if you wanted information, you needed to go to the source. So if I wanted zoning information, I went down to the zoning department, I took a look at their zoning maps, I talked to a zoning analyst to find out does the zoning permit my use that I'm interested in? Does it require a variance or a change of use? If I wanted to get demographics back in the 70s, early 80s, really up and up until the last 15 years, there was nothing online. When I when I started out doing this, I would go to the county courthouses, no matter where it was, which is one of the reasons that I used to drive 25 to 30,000 miles a year. 
was you had to go to these county courthouses. You had to go to where they kept the census tract maps, get a copy of the map. I used to take my protractor out and draw radius rings and then go to the, <laughs> their census books, which you couldn't take out of their offices, and look up each census tract and then write down, all right, here's the population in 1970. Here's the population now in 1980. That represents a population growth of X. And so everything you, that you found, you had to research that way. Wow. Now I can sit here at my computer. I have services that I use now that give me the demographic information. I used to have aerials flown for clients. Red Lobster was a great example. We used to have to have aerials flown by low aerial photography companies. Right. Uh, I go on Google or through my sites USA, I get aerials. I can mark them up. I don't even have to hand mark them anymore. Pay a little extra money and it puts all the logos on it. So it, it's very different. When I used to drive sites with my father, if he saw a property that he liked, he would pull over, whether it was raining or sunshine, and find the closest payphone, <laughs> and pull on it, see if it's available, see what the price is. I remember wow. the first home I, I got was called The Brick, and uh, you had the battery in the trunk, and uh, you, know, you could only call from the car. You had maybe like 20 minutes or 30 minutes of a charge if you took it out of the car. And, and nowadays, my phone that I'm talking to you on now and looking at you over Zoom is a computer. Yeah, so, more powerful than any of that stuff. So yeah. We're talking about 45 years approximately that I've been in this business and the changes have been astronomical. And I no longer drive 30,000 miles a year. I'm more like twelve to 15,000. Right. Yeah, but you still drive, and that's the key. It's just... Although you can get a lot of information online, what you can't get is the feel for a property, a feel for a neighborhood. Does it really have good access? You can look at an aerial and, and kind of tell, but if you're driving at 5 o'clock and you notice that the traffic from this traffic light backs up so far that the site that you want to put your client in gets landlocked the only way that you're going to know that is by actually getting in the car right and and being there at that time well and that's got to be you know decades we're talking of 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 analytics that you you know experience analyzing and looking for all of those is something that you can't really reproduce with a technology you know and and so that really so I, so so that said you know there will never there will always be need to be the some level of dirt dogs out there right to kick in the tires not in your car you're not doing your job for your client it's just that simple because you can you can best believe that whoever the real estate director is is going to get in their car because they're presenting it to a committee in the case of clues i work directly with the owners of the property but most of my clients are corporate most of them have a real estate committee that they have to get approved and before they go get it approved they're going to be in the car because they're going to have questions to answer when real estate committee comes about those kind of questions. And if they're not in the car driving, 
then they can't answer the questions. And my feeling is I wouldn't put somebody into a property. I don't believe it. It's just not what I do. Well, I commend that morality and ethics. And I wouldn't say that you're, you're, you're that everyone in the business follows that trend, but it's certainly nice to know that my partner does. So (laughs) reasons that I've had darkness clients for 44 years. That's right. That's, that's absolutely right. And it is interesting. You, you know, the choice to go with corporate clients that must make it versus the mom and pops. Now I know Kalu's being an exception, but they're very well capitalized, really fine concept. But for the most part, you're looking at brand name clients, the Dunkin' Donuts, family dollars. You mentioned McDonald's was a client. And does that, that must make it easier, you know, to know that you're dealing, I mean, easier and harder in many ways, you know, that's obviously a conscious decision more time consuming and so the most difficult thing is to convince either a landlord or a seller that your client needs this time in order to get permits because my clients are not so much in the real estate business real estate is an important part of their business but they're either in the food business or retail business and if they can't get their permits to build their building they can't sell their product so you know it, it's very important that the information that I transmit to them is accurate it's timely and you know uh, again it, it's it's something that that they rely on when they go ahead and make a presentation. So when you deal with an owner of a property, you got to say, look, they need more time to be able to analyze it and to get the approvals, but you're going to have a very stable tenant or there, you don't have to worry when you go to the closing table that the check that they're writing is going to bounce all the way up to the basket. Right, right. So you have the sell of of a of a good quality tenant. So you know it's more like you know massaging the deal for you know the 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 quality of your of your client really buys you some leverage walking in the door. But you still got a massage because you know somebody could come in that's a mom and pop organization, not have the credit, but be willing to work faster. So you're you're constantly kind of fighting about. And one of the big advantages that I have with corporate clients is a lot of times when someone is, is does not want to sell the property but only want to lease the property, they will do either a ground lease or build a suit or something along those lines with the client. When, when you have a, a big corporate client, their capitalization and the cap rates that, that they can turn around and sell as a single tenant at least is much lower than if they didn't have the credit that, that these tenants have. It, it's certainly, you know, something that landlords and property owners like is the credit of, of the tenant that I represent. Right. And that's the, that's that whole market of triple net investments, which is an area of commercial real estate. I plan to, in some upcoming podcast, they'll jump into and really kind of explain what, what the, you know, how the market for triple net and rental long-term leases to clients like yours is an investment grade investment that gets it's almost like a you know the the 1031 market is like the secondary market of commercial real estate in many ways you know yeah it's you after a lease is signed after a building's been built there's that whole market that bill you really helped me get into that's right Uh, 
was one of our first deals that we did together, a large one, the sale of a CBS triple net lease. And I've done quite a few since that time. And that's right. Be well known for, for doing that. I have several clients now that, you know, as the Walgreens leases get a little long in the tooth, they look to sell those and get into something else. So yes, that 1031 or I remember even the, that. Yep. Yeah, even the yeah. single pen at least deals, if it's not a 1031, you know, there are just a ton of institutional buyers that love the safety of, of those kind of credit deals. Well, it's interesting. And I want, we, we are, I want to bring you back for another conversation about that market, especially maybe later this summer, because I think that with rising interest rates, that market is going to have to transition. I mean, we've seen, we saw, you know, McDonald's and CVS's that traded like, you know, a three or a four cap. Yes. I, I mean, how, when interest rates go, if the, if the, you know, if interest rates get into the middle digits or high single digit, I just can't see how that market doesn't, doesn't get affected by it. Having been through enough cycles in my career, see the ups and downs, there is no doubt that as interest rates rise, the cap rates will rise. And, you know, rising cap rates, it, it always seems counter to logic, but a, a higher cap rate is a lower sale. Right. Price. And, you know, and, and that's a hard thing because it's been a seller's market for a long time and that's going to change. Wow. Well, you, you put the nail on the head right there and I'm glad you said it because I'm now I'm not the only one. <laughs> Nate Werner, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you, my partner, my friend. If you like what you hear here, you can subscribe to future podcasts. If you would like to look Nate up, you can find Nate on LinkedIn or what's the website that you would direct people to to find you, Nate? So it would be www.retailsitesinc.com. Perfect. Retailsitesinc.com. You can find Nate Werner. You know to find me at billbymel.com. That's B-I-L-L-B-Y-M-E-L. And we look forward to talking more. I, Nate, I'm definitely bringing you back for a future episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. Bill, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. And I, I want to be complimentary back just for a minute because one of the best decisions that I was able to make when I fully took over the company was going and recruiting you and dad's permission to recruit you. It's been a great partnership and I look forward to you taking care of me in my old age. <laughs> you got it, Pops. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we have another in our series of Real Tidbits. The Real Tidbit series is meant to be short snippets that last no more than 10 to 15 minutes, where I describe a specific part of the real estate world. Today's tidbit is going to be about triple net real estate investments. What is a triple net real estate investment? Well, to make it simple, a triple net real estate investment is usually a leasehold or a land lease between a tenant who is usually a well-established brand name business. Commonly, we will refer to these as restaurants, 
retailers. It could be primarily in those spaces. It could be a major corporation that does a, a triple net lease of an office building. It could be a company like Amazon that leases an industrial warehouse building from an individual private owner. And the reason it's called triple net is because the lease itself is net of property taxes, insurance, common area maintenance on the property. So in other words, those are the costs that wouldn't be fixed over time. A triple net investment property is really meant to be an investment grade property. We often will see these trade between sellers that are large institutions, you know, that are, that are buying these just for a guaranteed return. And by, by making it net, of the property taxes, the insurance on the property, the common area maintenance, we fix the income over an extended period of time. Most triple net investment properties are subject to anywhere from a 10 to a 20 to a 99 year lease. I mean, I've seen some triple nets that will, will be five year leases, but they're not usually considered investment grade unless the tenant has at least a 10 year guaranteed lease on this property. At that point, you're dealing about net dollars. So what is that income stream over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years worth to an investor? Well, it's worth the, that valuation is determined by the free market in what's known as, you know, a, based upon what's known as the cap rate, the capitalization rate of that money. What is that money worth? If somebody wants a 5% return on their investment in, in of a CVS property, let's say like a, a pharmacy, then, and CVS is paying $100,000 a year in net rent, then the value of the piece of real estate, if it's worth 5% return to that investor, is you divide the 100000 by 5% and you get a $2 million valuation on the property. So that's something we'll get into in our next, in a, in, in a couple of our upcoming real tidbits, is how to value cap rate. And then what is particularly a land lease or a triple net lease? How is it designed? But that's the basics of a triple net investment property. It's a, it's a, it's a re piece of real estate leased to a retailer, a restaurateur, a major corporation. Usually that tenant has to be credit worthy. So you're talking about McDonald's corporation. You're talking about Olive Garden. You're talking about BJ's restaurant. You're talking about Taco Bell. You're talking about Starbucks. Those are some of the retailers, you know, any, 
any brand name, well-established investment grade company is are signing these leases to open new locations. It's a, it's a great way for the retailer to expand without a huge capital outlay, right? They can sign a 20-year ground lease. Now there's a developer that will go out and build the property, a build to suit for them. Or if the building is existing, somebody like a family dollar backfills a CVS, a vacant CVS, and they're paying $15 a square foot on on 11,000 square feet. Well, that's $166,000 a year of net income. Now, a family dollar might trade at a different level as a triple net investment because of the way their land lease is perceived comparative to a McDonald's, for instance. So, you know, in the world of triple net investments, there's a broad range of what investors can put their money into. But this is an area where a lot of not only the ultra and high net worth investor, but your everyday mom and pop investor has has migrated into this triple net investment world. If you can, it, it's a very low issue, you know, low management intensive. When you when you when you do it, when you buy a triple net investment property, CVS is never calling you because the toilets are clogged, right? You're really just bought. You you just own the land. You can. De- depreciate and depending upon whether it's a building lease or a land lease determines who gets to depreciate the value of the building itself on their taxes. And it's a net income stream for a fixed period of time. So it's great for people that have some money in their IRA or, you know, are just trying to put money away for kids and, uh, you know, you just buy a triple net investment property that throws off, you know, anywhere from 3% to 15% per year. Now, the range of that cost is all, again, based upon, you know, the the investment grade value of, of the property. In general, in today's market and these ultra low interest rates that we're coming off of, we've seen cap rates hit their lowest level in historics in the triple net world. And we're going to see the reason that we're bringing this to the forefront is this is another space that we have to keep an eye on as interest rates increase. Because right now you've got McDonald's trading at a three or a four cap on their triple net properties that are for sale. You've got CVS's selling, selling at a four, maybe a five cap. Those are traditionally very, very low triple net rates. I remember when I first got into the business of triple net investment properties, it was 2005. And a CVS, even even then, CVS was the gold jewel of the triple net investment properties, even more so than McDonald's, which is now really the crown jewel in the retail restaurant sector. And those CVSs were trading around a six cap back about 17 years ago. So, you know, there is some, we're going to see some movement in the market as interest rates climb. And it's a broad range. You know, if you go for a lesser class of tenant, like a, you know, like a Dollar Tree or something like that, or an automotive shop, you can probably anticipate a high cap rate return when you buy those properties. You could probably buy those at the, at the seven to nine cap range, you know, and if interest rates can 
continue to climb, you might even start to see some of these triple net properties moving some of the lower class B, B location properties trading in the double digits again. So watch this space. The triple net investment property is an exciting area. It's a great way to build wealth. It's a great way to have a secure, guaranteed cash flow investment secured by real estate often coming with the added tax benefits of a depreciable piece of real estate building. And so triple net investment properties, that's today's real tidbit. If you like what you hear here, please click subscribe. I hope you'll, you'll join the audience of folks interested in hearing more about real estate. My name is Bill Bymel. You can find me on the web at billbymel.com. And thanks for listening to the Real Estate Lowdown. Have a great day. That was our interview with Nate Werner and our real tidbit on triple net investment real estate. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can always find me or any of my guests through my website, billbymel.com. And I look forward to speaking to you again on the next Real Estate Lowdown. Have a good day. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.